Making art is meant to be a wild creative process, not one caged by shame that whispers, you're not good enough, you're not doing enough, you will never be successful. So let's rewild our relationships with our creative work. I'm your host, author and creative wellness coach, Kristen Kiefer, and this is Wild Making. Recently on Instagram, I shared several reels on the topic of originality and how originality relates to our creative work that really resonated with people. Those reels got a lot of attention. There were some good conversations that came out of them, and people really seemed to resonate particularly with my take on this topic of originality because it's a bit different than your usual take on making original art. I happen to think that pursuing originality within your art is a bit of a cult, culty thing to do, <laughs> and that I, I want you to break free of this cult of originality. Now, I know all of that might just sound a bit wild to lead with right off of the bat, so let's dig into this topic because of how well those, because of how much those posts seem to uh, strike a chord with a lot of people on Instagram, I knew I wanted to dive into this topic more deeply, and I figured that there was no better place to do so than here on the podcast. And I'm going to really, together, we're going to dig into today why pursuing originality is, can be so destructive to your creative practice, to your creative work, to your joy and fulfillment as a creative, and what you should be striving for instead not only to have that joy and fulfillment, but to make compelling, unique, fresh art that really connects with people. So on that note, let's dig in. I don't think it is a stretch of the imagination to say that many of us as creatives feel some measure of pressure to be original, to make original art, to have an original style, an original take on things, etc., etc. I think we're often told that being original is what gets us noticed, that helps us stand out from the crowd, and those can seem like positive things, things that we want for ourselves, right? You want your art to stand out in a sea of other art. You want to get noticed and make sure that your art can connect with the people who are most going to love it. But the flip side of this narrative, and really the dark side of this narrative, is that there's this subtle or depending upon what circles you are in in the art world, not so subtle narrative that if you and your art are not original, then you will be judged as being derivative. As if being derivative is a lesser than thing. Derivative art is, oh, it's commercial art. Oh, derivative art, that's not literary. That's not fine art. That's not whatever the art snobs have to say, right? And so I think a lot of this pressure to be original comes not from a desire to get noticed and stand out from the crowd, but rather from this fear of being criticized and judged as being a lesser than artist or having created a lesser than piece of work because it is derivative, because your influences were obvious, or because the work that you are creating is more commercial, more aligned with a particular genre than something that is genreless or more literary, more highbrow. All of that makes sense so far? So 
immediately right off of the bat here, I want to talk about why striving to be original is a destructive endeavor and why originality itself is an impossible ideal. And the simple answer to this, the simple reason why, is because there is nothing new under the sun. Your art cannot be original because the word original implies that it is the origin of its kind, that it is the first of its kind, the first to ever do something a certain way. And again, there is nothing new under the sun. Your work can have a unique twist. It can, you know, take a fresh take on something, right? But it's still going to have its influences. It's still going to be rooted in some sort of tradition because thousands upon thousands upon thousands of artists and crafters and makers have come before you and you build upon what they have created. Not only that, you draw upon other influences from other sources outside of artistic crafts when you create what you create. And so your thing is never going to be an original creation because it will always be derivative of other sources. It will always be influenced by other sources. There is no escaping that because art is not made in a vacuum and your life, which the experiences of which influence how you make things is not lived in a vacuum either. Maybe if somebody took you as a baby and dropped you on a deserted island with nobody else living on it, and you somehow managed to live and grow up on that deserted island all by your own without, you know, dying of starvation or something, and there was just no art on that island at all, and you decided to make something, maybe that thing would be kind of original because you had no other influences. But that's not exactly how life works, right? You are probably a human being living within a society who has engaged with and consumed art and other sources of inspiration for many, many years now. So your work is always going to be derivative. And maybe this is me being a little bit pedantic about the word original itself. Maybe your definition of original does not mean that something has to be a wholly new thing, but I think the the larger conversation that I am getting into here is still going to be potentially insightful and, and interesting to you, even if your definition of original is a bit different. But before we move on, I want to, when talking about how even really unique pieces of art are still derivative, I want to give an example here. And the example that I immediately think of being a fantasy reader and writer myself is J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien is largely regarded as being the father of fantasy fiction. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings and the world he created for those stories are considered to be incredibly original and to have kind of birthed through other artists many derivative worlds and similar stories. And yet, when we take a look at Tolkien's work, you can very easily see a lot of influences. Influences from earlier works of fantasy of the time, influences from Tolkien's contemporary authors, influences from history, from his experiences in the First World War, from his faith, 
influences from fairy tales, influences from different various uh, European mythologies, influences from older epics and stories like Beowulf. They're all there if you know what you're looking for. You can see evidence of all of those things and the way he has derived influence and derived inspiration for his world from those sources. So Tolkien's work is derivative. It did not spring from the ether into his mind and then onto the page without any external influence, right? Even Tolkien is not wholly original. And on that note, it is simply impossible for you, for me, for anyone to create something that is wholly original, and that is not a problem. No matter what anyone, any snob in the art world might have to say, not being wholly original is not a problem. You can still create work that feels fresh, that feels interesting, that feels compelling to the right people by not striving for originality, but rather focusing your efforts on creating congruence with your creative work. Now, we are going to talk about what I mean by congruence in a moment. But before we do, I want to talk about what happens when you chase originality rather than congruence. So when originality is your top priority as an artist, your goal is essentially, and this might be a subconscious goal, but your goal is in essence to impress other people. You want people to be impressed by the originality of your work so that they do not criticize and judge you for being derivative instead. And so when you are so focused on impressing other people and making sure that your art is different enough in order to impress, you know what you're not doing? You're not asking yourself, what do I actually want to create? Underneath all those layers of fear, what do I actually want to create? What are my artistic desires? What would be fun for me to do with this piece of art? Or what would be healing? What would be soothing? What would be the, the, what would be most expressive for me? What do I really want to express through this work? What do I want to explore? What am I curious about with this art? Instead, you're asking yourself to break free of any possible bonds of influence. You're trying to force work that has never been seen before so you can hopefully impress people and keep, you, keep them from criticizing and judging you. And again, I want to repeat that this is an impossible ideal. Every piece of artwork, every creation in this world is derivative of something in some way. And moreover, when you try to force artwork, when artwork is not made from a place of genuine desire and artistic need, but rather from this place of force and trying to make it something that is going to achieve some particular end goal, like impressing other people, well, force has a stench to it. People can tell when they go to engage with a piece of artwork when it feels forced. When somebody is trying to manipulate them into being impressed or into liking something, right? Maybe not every person. Maybe some, per some people won't really catch on to that. But it's almost like when a salesman, like we'll say at a used car lot, a salesman is flattering you because they want to put you into 
a mood or an attitude. Uh, they basically want to ingratiate themselves with you so you feel more beholden to buy from them. And so you, you know, some people might be impressed by that. Some people might be flattered by the flattery that they are offering. But I would say most people pick up on that and it feels sleazy and manipulative because it is. And in that same way, when you are engaging with a piece of work that feels like somebody is trying to manipulate you into being impressed, you can kind of tell more often than not. And that person who is doing the consuming of the art ends up not being impressed at all and probably criticizing it for feeling forced in the first place. They can tell. So why spend so much effort focusing on how you can impress other people at the expense of your own joy and fulfillment and the connective potential of your art when you could instead be focusing on creating exactly what you want to make in only the way that you can make it with such joy and passion that people can't help but be drawn to it. That is what congruence in your creative practice looks like. Congruence, as I define it, is a match between your internal desires as an artist and the external end product that you create whether it is a novel, a painting, a dance, etc. Is there a match, a 100% match between your interests, your curiosities, your expression, right down to the tiniest, tiniest little bit, tiniest little facets of your art? Is there a match between that and what you actually make? You know, right down to word choice. Did a beta reader tell you that they really didn't like that you use that one curse word that doesn't sit right with them in your work. So you decide to get rid of it because you don't want to offend people. When really, that felt true to character and you want to keep it in there, right? Or like, I mean, I'm not as well versed in other uh, creative, other, other crafts, right? But maybe you are a choreographer and there's one move that you really want to include, but it's a little bit weird and, and, and different, and you aren't sure if people are going to connect with it. I don't know. I'm not a choreographer, but you get my point, right? Everything from, are you writing or creating in the genre that you want to write or create in, <laughs> down to, is that word choice really the word choice you want there? From top to bottom, the more congruence there is, between what you really want and what you actually create, the more magnetic your work is going to be. The more fresh it's going to feel, the more unique to you it is going to feel, the more compelling it is going to be to the people who are destined to love it most. When you strive to be original, you end up making a piece of art that you probably didn't love making, that doesn't impress people the way that you thought it was going to impress people, and that still gets criticized for being derivative because literally everything on this planet is derivative. But when you make art that is congruent with who you are and what you want, your art is still going to get criticized for being derivative. Because again, it is. Everything is. And some people just pick up on that influence and for whatever reason decide to criticize rather than just acknowledging that all work is influenced by other work. 
right? These might be people who value originality over congruence, and so they're criticizing your work because they see influence within it. That's not a problem. At least it's not your problem. You cannot make people not criticize your work. But what you can do is focus on creating from a place of joy and desire. Again, just creating exactly what you want to create in only the way that you can create it. When you do, you create congruent work that is truly magnetic to other people. The people who are destined to love your work most because you are not alone in what you like, you are going to draw those people in. Your art is going to connect deeply with those people. Your art is going to not feel sleazy and manipulative to those people. It is going to ring true within their souls in whatever, whatever that looks like, whatever it might mean for your particular art. So how do you know if the art you're making isn't very congruent? A really great place to start is to ask yourself how you are operating with your art from either a place of should or shouldn't. The vast majority of the times that you find yourself saying, I shouldn't do that, or maybe I should because then people will like it more, or I shouldn't write that because people might find it offensive or not professional, or I should do that because that might make people connect with my art more, find it more inspiring, right? Whenever you're you're using the word should or shouldn't, the vast majority of the time you are asking yourself what other people are going to approve of, what other people are going to like more, what other people might find offensive, what other people might not connect with, etc, etc. Should and shouldn't creep into your relationship to your creative work from a place of fear of criticism. You might not recognize that consciously happening every time that language slips into your head, but that's most often what's going on. There's some sort of criticism that you are afraid of receiving in the future, and you are asking yourself how you can avoid that. Oh, I can avoid that by not writing about that because, you know, I I really shouldn't write about that because if I do, people will say X, Y, or Z. And the simple fact of the matter is that there is no escaping criticism, right? So why bother trying to circumvent it? It is a huge waste of energy, creating from should or shouldn't, that you could otherwise be pouring into making the art you really want to make. And I say this all the time, you are not the world's most special snowflake in the best of ways, right? If you love your work, other people are going to love it too. That is an inevitability. Because you are not alone on a planet of 8 billion people as concerns what brings you joy, as concerns what type of art you love to look at, or watch, or read, or engage with. You are not alone. So if you focus your energy on making what you love in only the way that you can make it, people are going to connect with that. People are going to love it too. Making congruent art deciding to not make from a place of should or shouldn't, but instead to do what you want, can be really scary. Because that fear of criticism is going to challenge your nervous system, right? It's going to feel, maybe you'll feel a little bit anxious or a little bit worried, a little bit overwhelmed by the idea of making what you want to make instead of what you feel like you should in order to be accepted. 
And I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that this can be a scary thing to do. But you can take small steps towards greater congruency, right? Small baby steps. (laughs) And the more that you accustom yourself to creating incongruence, the more you take those small baby steps and then maybe slightly larger and slightly larger steps, your your nervous system is going to expand, right? When you take a step outside of your comfort zone and you find safety there, that that space that you've stepped into now becomes part of your comfort zone. And so the more that you create incongruence, the more energy, the more nervous system capacity you're going to have for making. It's going to get easier for you to show up and make your art the way that you want to make it. It's going to get easier for you to show up and make art at all. Some of that resistance is going to melt away because so much of resistance comes from a place of fear. What if I do it wrong? What if I'm not good enough? What if the art I make doesn't, isn't quality enough? What if I'm not talented enough, right? That's all of those doubts and those fears create huge resistance within your creative practice. So the more that you're creating congruence, the easier it is going to be to show up for your art, the easier it is going to be to make the art that you want to make in the first place, the easier it's going to be to to be productive in the way that you want to be productive in your process, the easier it's going to be to talk about your art with other people, to market your art. All of this takes a world of time. You need to be a little bit patient with the process of expanding your nervous system capacity through making ever more and more congruent art, but it's going to lead you to a place of greater ease and acceptance because you have accepted yourself. Because you have accepted that, yeah, people are going to judge you no matter what you do, but it's safe for you to show up anyway. And so not only will it become easier and easier to make your art and share your art with the world, you can also be assured, rest assured, that your art is going to connect more and more deeply with the exact people that you want it to connect with because you are focusing on your own congruency inside of your creative practice and not on simply striving to be original to hopefully impress people so they don't end up criticizing you. So talk about a win, 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 like wins all around, triple wins for everybody, because the more congruent you are, the more joyful your creative practice becomes and the more deeply your people are going to connect with what you have created. Thank you for listening to today's Wild Making. If this episode felt like coming home to yourself as an artist or a maker, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing to help this podcast reach a wider audience of creatives like yourself. And for more on untaming your art, be sure to check out my current coaching offers and subscribe to receive weekly wisdom-packed emails in your inbox for free at kristinkiefer.co. Cool? Until next time, shine on, my friend.